Dude, hey, we're both uh, kind of bespeckled today. We are bespeckled. <laughs> hey, good Friday afternoon from the heart of Fred Alley. Hope everybody's surviving the storm that is cutting through the Northeast Corridor right now. Yeah, it looks rough. We'll get into that yeah. a little bit in, um, in headlines. I don't know if you yeah. noticed, though, speaking of winter, Winter Olympics have already started. Got to watch a little curling with the kids last night. Good times. Yeah, love the curling. I was watching I was watching some of that, but I was watching uh, women's hockey yesterday. U.S. took care of Finland. Very strange game, dude. Yeah, a little faux pas at the end there. Little yeah, a little faux pas. I had to come back out and replay the last two minutes. <laughs> well, by the way, happy birthday to my mom as well. A little cowbell for you, mom. I'll be seeing you happy later today. I'm going to drive down to North to Carolina. Mrs. Dooner. Happy birthday to you. Um, let me ask you a question. How many books do you read per year? Um, let's just say less than it used to be. Less than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, if you count children's books, because I have a five and a seven-year-old, it's, it's like yeah. hundreds a Oh, year. yeah, yeah. No, you're, <laughs> you're right. Count that. Yeah. I'm usually reading articles and like shit posts on, on Twitter. That's, yeah. that's where most of my reading comes yeah, from. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, highbrow type of stuff. It's good news for us today because we have a children's book author today on, so that's something we can get into the schedule. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, here's a, it's something you can sink your, your eyeballs into as well. It's Heroes, of, Heroes Behind the Wheel is this new children's book by one of our guests. Uh, Joe Stefani, he's the president of Amazon e-commerce shop, Desert e-commerce. He's going to tell us how Amazon sellers can survive on the platform in 2022. Some of these return numbers, too. They're going to shock you when we get to that segment. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have Ian Wyland. He's the intermodal account manager at Junction Collaborative Transport. He's going to get us up to date on what's going on in Drayage. It's still a dumpster fire. I bet it is, Michael Vincent. Ban. You know it is. You know it is. Well, let's tip the band. Tough job. Let's do it. Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent. Stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Email jobs at surgetransportation.com and open your own office tomorrow, Michael Vincent. Let's do it, man. Let's open it. All right, headlines. U.S. storm now spreading across the Northeast. And if you saw thing yesterday, it was like halfway across the country. It's like 1,000, 2,000 miles. Take a look at this thing moving up here. Yeah, there we got a thing. Our own uh, Nick Austin, he says, a powerful winter storm that began Tuesday night produced freezing rain and heavy snow the yeah. past two days from the southwest all the way to the Great Lakes. Uh, thick ice weighed down tree limbs and power lines, especially in parts of the mid-Mississippi Valley and Ohio Valley. As of 8 a.m. Friday, more than 350,000 customers had no electricity in eight states from Texas to New York. Almost 132,000 of those customers were right here in Tennessee. Michael Vintage. Michael Vintage. Michael Vincent. Whatever. With uh, most outages in the Memphis area, according to PowerOutage.us. Yeah, no kidding. You're li- that was, uh, that was uh, sonar um, uh, uh, critical events, by the way, that map there that you can pull up uh, all that kind of stuff and see what's going on, all the assets that are affected by this. But according to Flight Aware, more than 5,000 flights within and into and out of the United States were canceled on Thursday. This morning, 
early, this is a few hours ago, yeah. 2,800 already. It's hard enough to fly as it is. It is, and it's, it's not just flights. So uh, actually Union Pacific Railroad is also saying eastern quarter, quarter of the customers affected by this that are in this storm area there being impacted. 24 to 48 hour delays, expect that. Yeah, On so the rail, dude, those things like plow through cars and stuff, right? That critical air freight you were looking on, you might have to wait a little bit longer. That rail flight, all of it, it's yeah. not the kind of structures we need. Hopefully, over the weekend, we don't have uh, any like grid shuts down or anything. We don't want a repeat of what happened last year. It's already through yeah. Texas, so fortunately, not bad. The storm will continue to move slowly through the northeast, fading across New England Friday night. Most areas will see snow, which will be heavy at times. However, as temperatures along I-95 corridor drop, freezing rain and ice will develop from Philadelphia to Boston. Here's some major lanes to look out for. Yeah. Uh, Interstate 80 from Cleveland to I-95 Junction <laughs> in New Jersey. Interstate 76 from Philly to Akron, Ohio. Uh, I-95 from Philly to Boston. Drive safe out there, of I've course. I've been stuck on that 80 route many times in the winter, my friend. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bear. It goes through the highest elevation east of the Mississippi, too, that one. But Supply Chain Disruption Task Force, they're trying to chisel away again at uh, this big problem we got here. Senate introduces ocean shipping reform bill. That's right, John Gallagher reports. The U.S. Senate introduced on Thursday its version of legislation aimed at promoting U.S. exports while curbing carriers' power over both container service and equipment fees charged to shippers. The Ocean Shipping Reform Act, they're calling that OSRA, O-S-R-A, is similar to legislation that passed overwhelmingly late last year in the U.S. House, though it lacks some of the specifics of that same bill. Both bills would give the Federal Maritime Commission authority to to initiate rulemakings, making it more difficult for ocean carriers to refuse service to American exporters. Remember, that was a big problem last year, and again, the calendar didn't change anything, so it's also a big problem this year. It is, it is, and so let's rub, let's break this down a little bit. What this does, the OSHA, as you as you said, it prohibits ocean carriers from unreasonably declining opportunities for U.S. exporters, okay. as determined by the FMC. Right? It promotes transparency by requiring ocean carriers to report to the FMC each calendar quarter on total of import and export tonnage and twenty foot equivalent units loaded or empty per vessel that it makes into the ports in the United States. Authorizes the FMC to self initiate investigations of ocean common carriers, business practices, and apply enforcement measures as appropriate and establishes new authority for the FMC to register shipping exchanges to improve the negotiation of service contracts. John Butler is president and CEO of the World Shipping Council. He doesn't agree with any of this. He said that further regulating ocean carriers will not solve landside supply chain bottlenecks that are backing up the supply chain. Here's a direct quote from him. He says the deeply flawed bill passed by the House at the end of last year replaced government officials in the role of second-guessing commercially negotiated service contracts and dictating how carriers operate ship networks, an approach that would make the existing congestion worse and stifle innovation. His organization represents 90% of the world's ship capacity. He's going to say something like that anyway. Of course he is, because it's going to try and put more restrictions on there. I, I still tell you, I, I don't know how they enforce this stuff. I don't, I don't know. We'll Start see. of the week with LoadSmart becoming yep. a freight tech unicorn. More right and more money flowing into this space. Well, Platform Science has now raised $115 million, and SoftBank uh, director has joined the board. That's right. Grace Sharkey wow. reports that Connected Vehicle, Connected Vehicle Solution Platform Science announced yesterday that it closed that $115 million Series C. It was led by SoftBank's Vision 2 fund with participants from some new investors here. We have Chimera, as well as those existing investors, 8VC, Daimler, Prologis, NextPlay, and four more capital. Right, so the company has raised $194.47 million since 2017 for its platform. Uh, and the platform, it helps commercial vehicles better manage and deploy applications, including electronic logging devices, messaging and programs, and other workforce solutions. Uh, with its latest rates, Platform Science is now valued at 
$575 million. We talked to them just a little while ago about yeah. the connected vehicle platform that they were doing with Daimler. We talked to both Daimler and we talked to both Platform Science. That's and it, right. was, uh, it was a way for people to work on vehicles and trucks. It was, it was bringing that interoperability, right, between yeah. these different systems, these different networks. We hear about in robotics. We hear about it in vehicle integrations. We hear about it with the new freight tech. A lot of this tech coming out. But now as we move into the later innings, we got to get all these platforms to speak to each other. Yeah, and it's the new ones and it's the legacy systems, too, that need to be included in there because yeah. there, there's some still lagging behind in there that need to be connected, right? So that's what they do. Hey, everybody awesome out there stuff. could use a good book. Let's hear about one. We have Sean Let's Friedman here with us today. He's the author of Heroes Behind the Wheel, and he's also the president over at Fritzy. Sean, are you staying warm up there in Canada? Uh, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, we're happy to, to have you on. Introduce yourself to us. I see the logo behind you. I've read the book. We'll get into that. But who's the man we're speaking with, Sean? Sure. Absolutely, guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm Sean Friedman. I'm uh, the president of Freighty. We are a logistics startup here in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Um, I started the company in March of 2020, which was a, definitely an interesting time to start a company. Uh, previous to that, I had spent 11 years as a sales agent for Trinity Logistics. So I really kind of cut my teeth in that in that arena. Um, in that time, I, I, I learned a great deal and I was able to start a good team. And anyways, I started a lot of that in Freighty. Very, very cool. Hey, tell us about the book. The inspiration behind the sure. book is more specifically to start with. The, the book is awesome. I caught, I didn't read it yet, but I caught the audio version, right? You didn't read it yet? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I read I'm... it this morning. I read it. Yeah, okay. Read it. It's awesome, actually. Yeah. I, I like it quite well. I wish I would have had it when my kids were younger, actually. Sure. But yeah, tell us about Thank it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, I have a, I have a logistics company, but I'm, I'm a dad first, and I've got two young boys. And uh, the inspiration for this book was really kind of a response to the pandemic and, and, you know, and just the, the toll I saw it take on kids. And um, anyways, I, I read every night to my son. It's, it's something I really enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, I wanted to create something for, for him. Um, so uh, Amanda Rothbot helped me uh, co-write this as, as well. So I want to make sure she gets credit. And, uh, you know, this book really just, um, it's from the perspective of a, of a young boy and he explores different um, he explores like different commercial drivers and what they do, and and how they and how they kind of serve the world and, and keep things moving. So you're touching on all things here too. You you've got you know final mile delivery. You've got a trucker in there. You've got a train. You've got a plane. Really really cool stuff. Yeah, What's been the yeah. reception so far? Have uh, has anyone read this? Have you read it to any kids yet? I know I've read it to uh, yeah. I've read it to mine, so I'll, I can tell you their impression. They thought it was uh, they thought it was pretty good. They liked and it. Huh? I, I complained. Put them to sleep yeah. either that night. <laughs> I love I love hearing that. Thanks so much for telling me that. Um, you know the reception is great, and I'm glad you noticed that because I wanted to highlight the work of all commercial drivers, not just truckers who we were we're you know I'm I'm very much in that world, but all professional drivers. You know, one thing I find really interesting when you when you have a young when you have a young kid is when you read to them just how they they latch on to the things that you seem that seem ordinary, like construction equipment or uh, let's say policemen. They they find that stuff just very fascinating. So I like seeing it through their through through their eyes, and uh, so I wanted to just really uh, represent all all sorts of commercial drivers in, in this book. 
Yeah, no, it does a really good job. I thought of um, of, of of doing it from the kids' eyes, right? Because they see them. He sees them as heroes, and he talks about that in there. As you know, the bus driver keeps us safe, and this guy keeps this thing going, and all that kind of stuff. Is there talk of a sequel to this book, and we find out what the driver, what his dad actually does drive? Because we don't find well, that out in a book. The end. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, I really like the message in this book, and I would like to retackle the subject in more of a grown-up context. Yeah. You know, like I think the, the kind of message behind this book is is really to just appreciate the the ordinary and, uh, you know, to really like it, it's really about empathy and respect and, and, and seeing a world that, you know, seeing a world differently. And um, I'd like to kind of take, you know, have another go with this for, you know, in, in, a, in a different context. Well, sure. And, you know, when you're talking about like content, content's a, a big thing and content for Kids that relates yeah. to your transportation that highlights the work that delivery people do or people in logistics or truckers do. It's few and far between. So having these additional resources are great, especially from those of us in logistics who want, especially from those multi-generational who want to keep the logistics in the blood and also to create that next generation of worker who appreciates and respects this field or at least become good people who appreciate and respect the hard work that that people do, right? That's right, 100%. And I also want to mention as well, uh, guys, that, that all proceeds of this book go towards the Canadian Children's Literacy Foundation. Oh, uh, supporting children's literacy is very important to me. Um, you know, uh, reading teaches empathy, right? And giving kids a window into different perspectives and, and feelings of others is a really positive thing. So any organization that supports children's literacy, I'm, I'm on board with. I'm, I'm a friend. Well, so all proceeds of this book go towards them to support their great work. Awesome. What's the hardest part about putting together a uh, a children's book? You know, it's it it's for me the kids' books are all about the illustration, yeah. and uh, I I was really lucky in in having a great you know great local designers Chicken Owl, who who really just you know you've got some images on I think they really just got the uh, the right kind of color palette and, and got the feel because um I, yeah I think the hardest part is just getting the illustration down. Yeah, no, no the color, got it. Yeah, I think you did too. I think the illustration was was tremendous. Um, how hard is it to get it out there once you've got this idea and put all this stuff together? You said the illustration was the hardest part of putting this together, but you've got a co-writer as well. There was was there a lot going into the actual wording of this? Or, I mean, when you have the idea, it's easy to have the idea. I want to do a children's book. Mm. Getting down those exact verbiage in the storyline, even in a in a fairly short but really good children's book, it's got to be difficult, right? Sure. Thank you so much. You know, actually, I really enjoyed it. I really, I found it actually a great escape. Uh, as we all know, logistics industry can be very stressful at times. And uh, I found just making time to, to really get in the weeds of, of, of the words and, and the story, I found it just honestly really relaxing, something I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, here's here's a, here's an excerpt from it. Maybe yeah. a delivery truck is what he drives with presents and parcels along for the ride. I get so excited when a truck arrives to leave our packages on the porch outside. Really cool, man. So where do people go and where do they get this book? Sure, absolutely. They can order it off our website. So if you just go to freightsea.com slash heroes, um, you can order a copy. Um, there, it's priced in Canadian dollars. So if, if you do an order and it's it's a bit less, that's the reason why. Um and yeah, you can sort it from there. 
Well, Sean, you're also up in Canada. You've mentioned mm-hmm. it uh, multiple times. There is, speaking of truckers, there's a big convoy going through there. Are you seeing any disruptions for that? What are the thoughts up in Canada? We kind of get it through the Ameri- the, the, not Ameri- the, the uh, U.S. filter down here. Yeah, we get it from a different but, lens. Yeah, what are you seeing up there from, uh, from your lens on the other side of the line? Yep. Sure, guys. Yeah, I know. And um, yeah, I know this issue has been covered a lot in freight waves. And I'll give you my take on it. Um, my take is is this, is that if you want to live in a, in a free society, then you have to allow people to speak views and have viewpoints and protest things that you don't always agree with. So right away, I want to say protests have, have a room in, in our society for sure. Um, I want to really start out by saying that I think the, the message of the original mandate of, of the Freedom Convoy resonated with a lot of Canadians. And if you look at the footage, you'll probably notice that at the very beginning, there was a lot of support, you know, especially here in the greater Toronto area um, for the idea of just of, of just questioning vaccine mandates or passports. I think you got a lot of mainstream Canadian support. And I think that may have taken the Ottawa by surprise a bit. So, you know, personally, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I recommend everyone get vaccinated. However, I do respect people's rights, rights to personal autonomy. And I don't feel like it's the government's place to to mandate that. So anyway, so I think a lot of a lot of people really, really responded well to the initial message. But as this has gone on, different actors have have kind of come into the fray. And average Canadians, I think, are pulling back because they they're not quite sure what the message is right now. And they don't want to support um, anything that's deemed hateful or or racist or anything like that. Yeah, and I and I, I can hear that, and I oh, and yeah. I understand completely, and I agree with so much of what you said. You know, the the Du and I are both vaccinated, and in fact, we even uh, got our boosters. But also, right. that was our personal decision to do that. I like that being yes. my personal decision because uh, what happens with laws and with mandates is that even if I agree with it now, maybe I won't in the future. Maybe I, something will come out that I'm not comfortable. Yeah, I'm with. not and, cool with the slippery slope of laws and mandates. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't always feel good about taking the protection protections like that kind of protection down for myself, protection from the government. I mean, to just tell you. Yeah, what to do it, but I, I agree with you all on the, on the hate thing too, and that was a big concern. I know a lot of people were like, "Ah, is this going to be January sixth all over again, just up in Canada? Is that thing going to happen again?" And um, I think that the good part of it was that, like you said, a lot of it you just saw was, "Look, I never saw so many Canadian flags out before." You saw people on the side yeah. of the road cheering, and you saw the trucks, yeah. and it was it was this really cool event. And I just hope that the spirit stays that way. You don't have the grifters come in and the people who want to bring their political agendas. Um, if it stays to just mandates, it stays peaceful. I think that we all agree. Um, Use your voice. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And, you know, it, this reminds me a lot of, you know, when I was just starting out becoming a sales agent for Trinity back in 2008, 2009, there was a big uh, offshoot of Occupy Wall Street in Toronto. Like yeah. it probably went on for about two months. And it started off with a clear mandate, which is, you know, we don't we don't want government bailouts, corporate bailouts. And then as it dragged on, it kind of, the waters got a little bit muddied. And, and by the end, people weren't quite sure uh, what, what, what it was all about. And I see some parallels here. I want to just yeah. point that out. Yeah. Well, before we let him go, let's send him to the wheel. Yeah. Wheel I've, got a, I've got a Canadian version on the back here. Oh, do you? Yeah, okay. I do. I do. You didn't know, you didn't know about it. Okay. For a hundred thousand dollars in us Canadian dollars, would you sing O Canada at the halftime of the gray cup? Gosh, you know what? I, 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 I don't want to ruin the experience for everyone there. <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't do that. 
<laughs> well, okay, well, I'll take it there. Because you didn't say yes, I won't make you sing, Oken, uh, either. Uh, hey, Sean, thank you for sharing your book with us. I appreciate it for sharing uh, your message and giving us a little more insight on what's going up in Canada. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. My pleasure. Same, thank you, same to you both. Thank you. Right take on. Care. Thanks. Hey, yeah, really? the book is great, by the way. The book is great. It really is. The book is great. We see it around, like, it's like eight pages, man. It is, man. <laughs> but I, I bet your, your sons liked it quite a bit. It was good. Well, you know what's funny with children's books? Like, when you go back and, re- like, where the wild things are, right? When you're yeah. a kid, when I was a kid, like, I had this impression that this was, like, a like an epic. It was, like, Lord of the Rings. It was, like, this yeah. epic journey. It would have been, like, a tome. Yeah. And I'm reading to my kids, and it's, like, five sentences. There's, like, five <laughs> sentences of where the wild things are. It's all pictures. <laughs> Elon Wyland's nodding. Running He's like, yeah, pajamas. I read wild things, where the wild things are all the time. Page and night. It's Ian Wiley. He's intermodal account manager over at Junction Collective Transport. He's been on before. Collaborative Transport. He's been on before. He's back again. Ian, what's up, man? Gentlemen, how are you? It's good to see you. Uh, I'd like good to see you, dude. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. The uh, My favorite uh, book that I read my daughter is Love You Forever. I don't know if you've ever read that. I cry every night. You really? really? Why do you That's put great. yourself through that? Yeah, I love it. It's just, it, it's sad. I mean, you guys, I see, uh, you guys do Legos. Uh, we do nails and spas. If you can yeah. see my hands with. The, oh uh, yeah. Well, he, I, no, he's got the I daughters have, too. I have two I'm daughters. I have two daughters. I get hair, I get makeup done. I get, I get the whole spa treatment. I love it. I love ours was, it. Uh, ours I was to the moon that. and back. You know, I love you to the moon and back to two, uh, brown bear or, br- uh, brown nut hair and, and mom. <laughs> Anyways, awesome. that was the one I awesome. read all the time. <laughs> well, did you cry after you met with uh, with Secretary Pete? I see a picture of you here standing next to I Secretary see. Pete. That seemed like a great opportunity. What did you talk to him about? That Actually, that picture is actually one of our drivers. Uh, he wanted to uh, – that meeting down there was in regards to some owner-operator, like new – uh, what the new owner owner operator would be nowadays and what they look like in comparison and uh, that it's not as uh, dirty, like indentured servant type of a job as some of the media describes it as. Ah, so having that conversation, uh, getting to the, are they employees? Aren't they employees? That type of stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The right. So those guys, very interesting. Um, so that's, that's what that was with him uh, at the moment down there. Like down at the ports, it's it, it it's an even flow. Uh, you've got some days where, like right now, it's been a weird, it's a weird slow, mm. uh, where it's not as much as coming off. I'm not sure if it's COVID related. I'm not sure if it's uh, just basically th- basic thorough put. Um, but empties are returning. Uh, a lot of times, companies will complain that they can't return the empties. I mean, of which. They are all returning. It's not a matter of can it return or not. Uh, at the moment, it's, it's can I get an appointment for it to return? Because they are receiving them. It's just a matter of it, will I get that thing in? Um, but the basic production, if you will, of the driver, uh, in my eyes, has, has gained like I've, twofold, I'd say, in the last three months. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. has, has has increased there. And why do you think that, that is? is? Well, yeah, is what it because you, you met with Pete or your driver took a picture with Pete? Why do you <laughs> yeah. think that is? Uh, no, no, I, I just think it's it's the it's the empty receiving. You're able to to turn the chassis. Uh, for us in particular, uh, our battle to battle the no empty returns, we up chassis by give or take about 200 chassis um, that we were able to get a hold of. That obviously more chassis, more loads. Um, but at the moment, uh, everything is, for the most part, 
containers will turn. Um, it's just, it may take an extra day or two, but the containers are turning. Well, that's good news to hear that the speed is actually a twofold uh, production is, is a tremendous thing yeah. to think of. But, you know, you, you put out some stuff in there, you know, um, the more you knows. You remember the more you knows? Yeah. I saw some of your, your LinkedIn posts on the more you knows. Can you go through some of that a little bit? G- give us a little bit oh, about the sure. more you knows for uh, drayage in 2022. For sure. The, uh, those posts, a lot of times those, uh, when the customer end, we don't, that don't deal with it on a day to day. Uh, they don't understand exactly how it works. And this is a great, you guys are awesome. Great platform, uh, to help explain that. But a lot of times, uh, my thing with them was my, my first post was in regards to empty returns. If the empty receiving at the terminal is a dual only transaction, and if me as your trucker, I don't have a load out, guess what? That empty ain't going back. Uh-huh. And the empties remain parked. Um, just, it was like, uh, you get a, a lot of times you get what we would see, consider, hey, that's a silly question. Uh, is that a dumb question? But a lot of times it's people that don't know. And the more from my end, the more that we can educate uh, at, based on what's going on, the easier it makes like the customer service reps uh, on our side, their day to day, it makes it that much easier. Typically well, for me here, I'll, I'll write a template of sorts and we'll just like basically blast that out. No chassis. Well, what does no chassis mean? Well, it means I don't have an empty. It means I can't get a bare chassis uh, <laughs> or it means or it means the ports out of them. It could mean any of those three, but that's what a no chassis means. It means, means you're dragging your container down the street. <laughs> sure. But here, I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. Not everybody knows how to interpret these things, and that's yeah. why it's in, important. I mean, it seems so obvious when you are in the thick of it, if, if that's your job. Sure. And, of course, it would be obvious to you that no dual transactions, where to find it, where to see exactly that it says that, and those kind of things. But not everyone does, and that's the point of that more you know. And a lot of times we can put blinders on, and we forget what other people don't know about what we do. What are a couple of those other things, yeah. Ian? What are some of those other things that it seems like obvious common knowledge, but uh, but maybe people need a refresher on it, or it's just something uh, they wouldn't know? I would say the the number one thing is a like we're a carrier. I'm not a broker. We're not. Uh, we are the truck. So a lot of times people don't think the truckers are real people. It's it's hilarious that like oh why doesn't he want to wake up at midnight? Well, do you want to wake up at midnight? <laughs> sure. Let's be real. I don't know. Like for now, we're in uh, based in Southern California. It's there's a load going to Northern California, and why didn't the driver take the load? Do you want to be home on Friday night with your family? Yeah. Well, that's the rationale uh, yeah. that from a scheduling standpoint that a lot of times people just don't care. And uh, where if you can, my biggest advice to anyone scheduling a container is not schedule, not necessarily schedule when the customer wants it, but schedule when you know you can get a truck on it. And that knowing that truck's mentality, will you will win every day of the week because that truck will show up. Yeah, Ian, yeah. we have a video here from oh. Street People of Los Angeles. Guys, roll roll that tape right here, and it shows uh, it shows oh, a bunch yeah. of people <laughs> cracking open these train cars, right? And they're taking out the Vizio TVs and all of that stuff. Now, this isn't this is not new. So, like in November, there was actually a bunch of articles we even covered on what the truck. There was a bunch of train thefts going on there. There was reporters at Los Angeles Times who documented and they saw the open packages that got cleaned up. And then a couple of weeks ago, this video was taken, and these these train heists were happening all over again. What are you hearing about this situation? I'd say more like cleaned up. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the moment, we uh, we don't do much rail, so I, I, I don't. I see it. Uh, it still happens. Uh, if you drive down for around here, if you drive down like the abandoned rail uh, rail um, the lines themselves, where uh, you've got truckers stashing empty containers in there because oh, no one goes back there but these live uh I, I i just saw that online and i thought it was crazy i think do we have a video of that too i think we have a video of also those containers on the side of the road oh, yeah, there she, it is yeah yeah, yeah. so what is so this oh, yeah. is you just alluded to that so what is what is going Where on is here at? that's just random people just dropping their containers there random carriers that was that was me on a sunday morning 8 a.m so at 8 a.m on sunday morning obviously those warehouses to the left are all closed. It's that's actually a circle. They're all closed, and though that is apparently someone's container stashing yard. It's right off the seven ten. So those that those that watch the video that uh, drive that route daily uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I noticed the graffiti. I'm trying to see if I recognize any of the, the tags on my you know my favorite street <laughs> artists and <laughs> NFT producers. Hey, wait a minute, that one's mine down that street. <laughs> that one on the right was mine. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> that was my tag. <laughs> so there's probably that that circle itself is about a mile long. So wow. you've got give or take on both sides. You've got about it sounds awesome when it's like two miles of containers. Well, so Ian, what what do you think? What's your prognostication for Dre in uh as we kind of move out of this? Or, or do you think we're kind of in a transitional point where you know we're starting to get used to this uh this new normal and um uh, we're starting to get used to where the floor is and where the ceiling is and and supply chains are planning a little bit better for it, or is it gonna be even more chaos and just terrible nightmares? If I if I could guess the, the steamship line, steamship lines next move, I would be uh, I wouldn't be trucking uh, at the moment. But it for us as far as strictly Dre, it, it has to do with those empties, which have to relate back to the chassis. I personally here for us, we're uh, we're going at uh, we're trying to up again on the chassis. But I tell you, new chassis orders are can be like a year out right now just to get your hands on some depending on size uh, and basically what it is, of course, and Same with relationships tr- you can call Same with trucks, Ian. I had truck, new truck orders about 13 months out. I've seen that used marketing incredibly expensive. You're looking over like $200,000 for a low-mileage trucks right yeah. now. Um, yeah. But what about, uh, I guess my last question for you is uh, some new regulations coming into the port. Uh, a lot of carriers have to be concerned about getting EVs, getting zero emission. How close are we to, to getting there? Is this a danger zone, the timeline that California has set to be there and where carriers are at? I... I, I would say yes. Uh, the I think the deadlines at the end of this year or uh, November ish is a uh, mandate here. I, as anything else, everyone lights the last minute, and then all of a yeah. sudden, uh, November second, it's like it's all hell breaks loose, and it's basically throw gasoline at the dumpster fire, like you guys said before. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Ian, uh, our stupid question of the day, and I, I wonder if he would take this up. What do you think? Maybe we should bet on it. Uh, uh, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go. You want me to sing? Would you sing the national <laughs> anthem at the Super Bowl for $100,000? For sure. Wow. Are you a good singer? Doesn't matter. No. Oh, Doesn't matter. oh, oh no, horrible. 
Well, what if you become like a meme and like everyone's going to make jokes of this? You'll be nah. made fun of online for you all eternity. You can spin it to the positive. You can spin right. it to Then the I'll positive. be invited back to the show as that guy from the meme. Well, you sure will. Get your own show. Get your own show. I appreciate your time today. Uh, before we let you go, where do people go to find out more about Junction? Uh, jctransportswithans.com. Thank you, sir. Right Have a great weekend. Appreciate Very your cool. time. Thanks, gentlemen. Stay sane. All right. With fully furnished, state-of-the-art repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest, and most painless response for your fleet from Love's Truck Care and Speed Co. To learn more about their roadside assistance, tell them, dude. Hey, go to loves.com immediately after this show. All right. Let's bring on Joe Stefani. He's the president of Amazon e-commerce shop Desert Cactus. He's probably been pretty busy these past two years. Holiday season just came out. And actually, I saw some return numbers, too, Michael Vincent. I hope we can get this into them. Returns were something like return cars supposed to be up 59% this year over last year. There was going to be $120 billion in goods returned from November until the end of this month. 50, 59% up this year over last year? Yeah. And last year was like 59%. astronomically up before I, I would that, so. right? Yeah. yeah. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. We got a lot of questions and we're excited to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Introduce yourself to those uh, to our fair audience who may not have uh, had the pleasure of shopping at Desert Cactus on Amazon. Yeah, so Desert Cactus, we're um, an Amazon brand, and what we do is we get licensing agreements with different organizations. So we have deals with the NBA, the NHL, uh, 700 plus colleges, universities, and then we make products um, like stickers and flags and license plate frames, and we sell them direct to consumer uh, through the Amazon channel. Very cool. We were we were talking about this earlier, and one of the, the questions that I thought was really, really interesting that Dooner brought up, actually, and I'll just ask it here, is how much impact does like a single player have on sales for a specific team and or, or school, like Brady going to the Buccaneers? Yeah, and all us mass holes buying Buccaneers stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and all the Tampa Bay guys going, holy mackerel, we actually got yeah. a shot at this now. Huge impact because like we saw this year that our demand for University of Georgia products because of them being so good for football, we saw almost 500% increase over what a usual uh, school should do over that same period of time. So it does have a huge impact whether a team is good or bad. Another example, Chicago Bulls weren't supposed to be that great this year. They're supposed to be good, but they're actually really good. And so our sales of those products are much higher than what we anticipated. Wow. So how do you forecast that demand? Are you looking at like Vegas odds or, you you know, you're just using your own sports fan intuition? Because it it sounds like there's almost like there's you got to know the trends, right? You got to know where the fans are going to go. You got to know what they want. Sometimes they're obvious. Brady going to Tampa. He's going to bring a following. Sometimes they may not be not with with the Bulls. So how do you manage the, the inventory in an interesting product like this? Yeah. So what we do is we go through and we, you know, we. Uh, pay attention to the standings, obviously, but we also go through and uh, for certain teams, we'll carry more inventory um, for that reason, but also too, we're carrying higher inventory than usual because of supply chain. And mm-hmm. so um, I think this year hasn't been as bad as it would have been a couple years ago. So Joe, I got a two part question. One, who is the team that is always highest? Who's the highest one up there? I guess in let's go college. Cause I like college. And is there a team where you just scratch your head and go, why is this team selling like crazy? Why is this one so good? Like, why does everybody want Campbell University camels? Why yeah. do they want that? 
Yeah, you know, it, it just really depends. So, like, we, we obviously see any of those big Power 5 schools, you know, your Georgias, your Auburns, uh, Alabama, University of Michigan was really, really good for us this year. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, so you'll have your usual suspects. But, I mean, you'll also see, you know, those other schools that you necessarily don't see at the top that often. Um, you know, we see a lot of success um, with, like, the United States Naval Academy, you know, mm. of all schools. So it's yeah. just, you know... Um, it also depends too, because you figure since we're selling on Amazon versus a brick and mortar store in a college town, we at least have more broad appeal nationally sure. versus, you know, our fan base or our potential customers being in a specific town. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Because no, you're selling makes... all over the place. Selling to alumni clubs all over the country and stuff like that. It makes sense. Well, let's talk about selling. Yeah. We've had, over the past two years, we've had a number of Amazon sellers on here. And and usually we'd hear very similar stories from them about, you know, the changing, uh, you know, they don't have, like, government regulations. They have Amazon regulations on on times and where labels have to be. And it seems like they get stricter and stricter as we've, especially as we move through this pandemic. What, what changes have happened on the platform the last two years? It seems like it can be a little... Uh, and 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 a and o class or, 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 or there there could be conflict here between sellers and Amazon at times. Yeah, the biggest thing we've seen actually in the past several months is inventory restrictions. So they'll actually go through and tell you how many total pieces of inventory you can actually have in the Amazon warehouse network. And so that number um, went down and down actually when we got closer to Christmas. And now since that's all behind us, uh, actually in the past couple of days, we've seen our um, the amount of inventory we can send in um, actually go up. Um, I think it was about like 200% increase. So um, along the lines of those inventory, we talked to other sellers where the Amazon will change like the location of those inventories oh, that yeah. impacted them greatly. Have you experienced any of that type of stuff? They do, but it hasn't really affected us as much as you think it would. It used to prior because, um, you know, prior to um, Amazon collecting the sales tax for us on our behalf, we actually had to track that inventory because if that inventory went to a brand new state, we would actually have to start collecting um, yeah. sales tax in that actual state, um, which with us, the way we're set up, we're an S corp. So I have to file income tax in dozens of States every single year. So it's always a nightmare, but, uh, now things have changed with Amazon doing that, um, sales tax collection. Gotcha. How have some of these delays impacted, maybe not even just yourself, just sellers in general, shipping delays over the past two years in terms of staying compliant with what Amazon expects out of you? I know that can be a challenge as well. Yeah, that definitely could be a challenge. And that's why we use um, Amazon's warehouses more so than shipping in-house. So right now, I would say nine out of every 10 packages uh, that gets sent out is actually being sent out by Amazon directly. And we like that much better because most of the time Amazon is actually delivering that themselves with those blue vans. Um, you know, when we're shipping it out ourselves, you just don't know when you're relying on, say, the post office, if it's going to get there on time. So it's more reliable, but we also saw that, you know, space is a, a premium, especially warehousing space in specific quarters, Southern yeah. California, Northeast, et cetera. It's crazy. But you guys just expanded your facility uh, for warehousing as well. Can you talk to us about that? 
Yeah. So what we did is we went from a 6,000 square foot facility to a facility that's just over 13,000 square feet. I mean, we obviously needed the space. If Amazon wasn't sending out 90% of our inventory, we would probably need a space that was probably somewhere between 75 and 100,000 square feet. Because like last year, we sent out between our facility and Rolling Meadows and Amazon, it was 525,000 orders. So we obviously we need a much bigger facility to ship out that much. But I can tell you that the rental rates are insane right now. And we probably paid about 20 or 25 percent more than we should have uh, with signing a lease here in the last 30 days. Oh, wow. And is the thinking there? There's there's no supply. Yeah. The thing is, if you don't get it now, it's going to be even more expensive if you wait. I don't think and I don't think warehousing. I don't think the trend there. Is even even as supply volumes as that changes, I don't think the trend towards warehousing is going to change nearly as quick because I think we're going to keep we're going to want to keep more inventory stateside as we move forward. We yeah, no, there's residual. Yeah, lesson. there's residual effects that are going to delay and keep that up. I would. Well, let me ask you something though. So Christmas just happened, and we've all got stuff we didn't want, and Amazon makes it so easy now. You just bring your, uh, you know, you just bring the the, the code over to uh, Whole Foods, and you drop your stuff off, and they send it back. But what happens after that? What happens when you return something to Amazon? A lot of stuff that we do know and a lot of stuff we don't know. Actually, I was just interviewed for CNBC. They did this huge, long, like 15-minute expose talking about what happens when you return stuff. And what happens is it goes back to the Amazon warehouses. uh, They determine which warehouse it goes back to. And then we go through and set rules ourselves. So if an item is, let's say, under $10, we might instruct Amazon to, hey, just throw it out. Um, if it's a certain type of product, like a sticker, same type of situation, we'll say throw it out. So it just kind of depends on the rules that we set up. And then what happens is every so often we get a bunch of returns back to our facility. And then our staff goes through those and evaluates whether or not that inventory is sellable or not. But like last year, it, we projected it at a cost of somewhere between $75,000 and $100,000 between the fees that Amazon charges us to accept those packages uh, you know, the uh, cost for staff members to go through those returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Amazon's going to change here over the, you know, this year with the return process. Yeah. So there's times where it's just more cost effective to say, hey, toss it in a trash or do something with it. Right. That's, uh, that's, that's oh, absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a- it's crazy because sometimes it could be six, it could be six dollars actually sometimes to accept a return. Oh, wow. It sounds really costly. Yeah. I mean, you're it talking does. about all these fees. It sounds really co- – I mean, is the, has the barrier of entry to be on Amazon, has that changed completely over the past few years? Is it a lot harder than it used to be? 100%. Much harder. And what's happening now is, like, for us, you know, we're dealing with all these famous brands. So what Amazon's starting to do is, like, let's say you went to a local store. You went to Dick's Sporting Goods. You found a Chicago Bulls flag for $10, and you say, hey, I want to make some extra money. I'm going to sell this on Amazon. As soon as you post that on Amazon, it most likely it's going to get taken down because they're going through and trying to protect uh, the copyrights and trademarks of famous brands, you know, whether it's the Mm -hmm. Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, whatever, um, they're trying to protect that. So the barriers to entry are much higher. And now Amazon's trying to shift from a platform that used to be more reselling to where brands like us are actually, they're selling our stuff that we're manufacturing. So how I'm, I'm interested, how, how does, um, uh, how does the licensing actually, how, how does it work? Can I, can I get the same products that you, you sell from somebody else or do you have exclusive rights or is it on certain selling media? How, how does that work? 
Yeah, that's a great question. It depends on the property itself. So like if it's for like a professional league, what they'll go through and do is we have to actually project out what we think our sales are going to be. And then we actually have to pay a rights fee, um, Mm. which is tied to our projections. And then they'll tell us where we can and cannot sell stuff. So they might say, hey, you can sell in big box retailers. And then we would be able to sell wholesale to, like, say, Walmart or Dick's Sporting Goods. And then they would then resell the item. But for us, we're direct to consumer. So we're strictly in the online portion of it. And that's why the leaks come to us is because we know Amazon better than anybody. So they want to be able to have authentic uh, merchandise on Amazon. So and then there's like tons of rules because you could have a deal with the NBA and have it just for the main logos and not have it be for like vintage or for the mascots. So there's so many different rules and so many different buckets of revenue that they're looking to um, to make money on. When I was in a past life, I was in in music licensing, and I you know I still have nightmares thinking about yeah, you, taking their sin like they yeah. have some agencies set up that at least help out a little bit like that but yeah, you told me how difficult well, that it's is. just murky territory i mean you really have to be on the ball with that and you can end up in very costly territory if you don't do things the right way yeah. is there any product that you've kind of been burned on or you're like i'm just not touching that stuff i'm not stocking anymore like what wouldn't you put on amazon well, and okay, so you brought up musical acts. So we're starting to get outside of like professional sports and colleges. So we have like deals, like for instance, with Ozzy Osbourne. And so we're trying to kind of dip our toes in the water with musical acts right now, instead of signing up, let's say a hundred bands at once, because we just don't know if the demand is going to be as yeah. good for Ozzy Osbourne as it would be for a professional sports team. But I feel like there wasn't any like specific products that we really, really have gotten burned on, but it's more so maybe like individual properties. So it might be, you know, you know, it might be a couple schools that don't sell as well as others, but when you look at the whole grand scheme of things, like when it comes to colleges, you know, we have how many, so two are bad, you know, the other 698 will most likely perform them. Right. It's just like with the NBA deals where you have, we were licensed for the best team and the worst team and every team in between. I'll tell you what, as I was watching curling and women's hockey, I was, sk- I was skimming back and forth also between Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. So if you ever get any that, you know, get into cartoons <laughs> yeah. and, and that type of stuff, I'd be interested in purchasing some of that. But I, I do wonder this yep. uh, in, in all seriousness is, is uh, we got a Super Bowl coming up, mm. right? Um, so are, are you preparing specific product for the winner of, of that game? Do you get into that, that type of game right now or not? Okay, so right now we're not li- we're not licensed with the NFL. Um, that's something that we're exploring right now with the league. But like when it comes to like the NBA or NHL, we do actually get access to logos, championship logos ahead of time, mm-hmm. and we actually go through and do prepare product or get uh, designs approved. And as soon as the winner is announced, uh, then we actually go through and we'll start sending that stuff to Amazon. Oh, so you don't make like a bunch of like duplicates though, because you know on the sideline they have to have like the hat for both sides of the the, the, the yeah. teams. It depends on the it depends on the product, but usually the products that we are having go out there, like stickers and stuff like that that we produce in our own facility. We at least don't have to because we have the uh, manufacturing capability, uh, capacity wise, to make tons of stickers super fast. So that's nice. Yeah, because you always see like multiple hats being made and such yeah, like that yeah, where yeah. they have to, you know, and then they have to end up throwing out the other stuff. Yeah, I'm looking for like a you know a, a 2021 Alabama national championship hat or something like well, that. It's always going to razz your buddies, right? You give <laughs> right. your buddies like the fan. You give them like the championship jersey, even though <laughs> even though they, they didn't won. win, like, right? They the 19 0 Patriots jersey. Like, that's a good way to razz a Patriots fan. <laughs> Cleveland yeah, Indians I mean, winners I mean, of the 1995 <laughs> World Series. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the, the, actually, there was an Alabama championship hat that was actually handed out on the field, actually, believe it or not. And oh, one, really? of the, one of the players from Georgia, yeah, was wearing it, actually, yeah. How cool is that? Well, See? Joe, I guess my last question for you before we let you go is uh, emerging sites or, or other sites like Shopify, other marketplaces, are they becoming a bigger threat to to Amazon? I, I mean, I know Amazon's like, a, you know, they're they're that evil you kind of have to deal with right now because, I mean, they control, even AWS they control. If you've yeah. dealt with AWS outages, I mean, AWS outages to e-com is massive. Remember oh, it's got to be huge. We yeah. had one gentleman on here who was talking about, um, uh, what warehouse is he with? He was one of the warehouses, but he said, uh, uh, e-com site, and he said it went down and we lost like 75% of orders when it was down, 75% oh, that's right. of our yeah, orders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, Shopify is big, but see, the issue with Shopify is even though their uh, global merchandise value or wh- whatever the term is that they use is super high and it's getting up there to compete with Amazon, you cannot go on to Shopify and just search on their app for just general product. Like you just can't go on there and search for Chicago Bulls and find all the different vendors that are selling this stuff. It just doesn't happen right now. So until they change that. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be that big of a competitor. But the problem with Amazon is they're so big, and a lot of people have tried to compete against them, and it just has not worked out at all. Yeah, no, the giant, the giant. You can't, you can't go on. Are we going? Uh, well, check out. De- well, first of all, check out Desert Cactus yes. on Amazon for your Absolutely. license thing. And our stupid question of the day oh, was: yeah. Would you sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl for a hundred thousand dollars? Would think, you do it, Joe? I'm saying. Well, I have a feeling that if I did do it, they would actually charge me a hundred thousand dollars to sing it. So, <laughs> well, they charge you to play. There would be, there'd be too. a clawback for that one. <laughs> they claw back the fees. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they yeah, they, they, they might. They might not invite me because you guys showed the video of me taking those TVs out of those. Uh, <laughs> the so they might not invite me. <laughs> Joe, we appreciate it. Take care. Enjoy the game on your new Vizio you got from those rail cars, and uh, we'll catch you in the future, man. Sweet. See you, man. Take Sounds easy. good. Take it easy. Um, you, so I, wh- yeah. I keep the, I go back and forth in my head, and I'm like, yeah. I would definitely get made fun of. I'm not a, a good enough but singer. But you could spin it in a positive way and get some really good PR out of it. Dude. If it wasn't the national anthem, I'd be much more interested. But I just don't want to diss the national anthem. I as long like as it doesn't come easy. off as as you trying to be make it foolish. Yeah. As long as it was an honest effort there. You're okay. So, like, I would have to hire, like, a vocal coach. Maybe if I had them, like, follow me around in my training for singing it. Could and be. I took it, like, really seriously. Maybe you should get, get it up there it. and read it as a poem. All right. Offer me $100,000 NFL. We'll find out. Well, maybe we'll Shoot. do a duet, like Barbershop Boys. Amen. All I'll right. Do it. <laughs> well, good on. news, bad news. It's Friday. <laughs> Hope they're okay. Okay, let's see. Bad news, you've got a snowplow, but you can't think of a name for it, right? None of us can think of a name for our snowplow. No, I've been been searching for a good one for years. Well, good news. You're the Minnesota Department of Transportation. You're running a name a snowplow contest. That's right. NPR News reports that Betty Whiteout, Betty Whiteout is the runaway winner in this year's Minnesota Department of Transportation Name a Snowplow Contest. It's topical. It's topical. It makes sense. It's topical. Rip Betty White, she died on December 31st, the age of 99. She received that received over 40,000 votes to become 
become the winner. The other ones were uh, Control Salt Delete, The Big Laplowski, Plowsaurus <laughs> Red, Solid, Scoop Dog, Scoop Dog, Blizzard of Oz, No More Mister Ice Guy, Edward <laughs> Edward Blizzard Hands. Um, <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I like Laplowski. That's good. The Big uh, Laplowski is pretty solid. There's a joke I'm not gonna make. Uh, top eight winners <laughs> from last year: Flower <laughs> McPlowface, uh, Opie just got Plow right past you, Duck Duck, Orange Truck, Plow Bunyan, Snowy One Kenobi, <laughs> F Salt Fitzgerald, <laughs> Darth <Yeah>. Blatter, <laughs> Darth Blader, I think. Darth Blader. <laughs> That's me. Look out! I gotta go. Uh, the truck formerly. Don't eat the that yellow snow, folks. Plow. Do not eat the yellow snow. Don't eat the yellow snow. Don't do it with Darth Blatter. <laughs> the red snow with him. I got some bad news for you, my friend. Yes. You're traveling across highway uh, highways in Oklahoma, and you skid off the road, and all hope looks yeah, lost. Yeah, looks my pretty bad. I'm Look at that right, right there. Here. There you are, right there. Do you ever given moment blocking the road? But right, but here come the Marines, my friend, or what? well, at least the National Guard, right? Okay. So, yeah, the National Guard citizen soldiers from First Squadron, 180th Cavalry Regiment, are supporting the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. There's more pictures of our wonderful heroes out there. A Durant Smart team by uh, uh, stabilizing a semi truck and slid off the highway. That slid off the highway, right? And yeah. I guess that is uh, what is it, Calera? I guess, but preventing it from rolling over. So they've been out there assisting these guys, keeping stuff clear and helping with the accidents. Make sure uh, uh, traveling safely, man, man. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Huh. I mean, you know, everyone's been asking, like, when's the National Guard going to save the supply chain? People there it remember, is. Like, Look at the National Guard. Right the National there. Guard on the board. Then they were helping this guy. Now, would you be embarrassed if you're that driver, though? Like, how was your day out driving today? Like, oh, I had to get saved by the National Guard. Well, if it was a clear, sunny day, yeah. But, I mean, it's an ice storm. An epic, <laughs> biblical proportion ice storm. Dude. Day. I don't think anyone got hurt either. So that's no, good, too. No, it was Not all good. good it was all one. good, man. All, all right. Good. Here's some good news, bad news. You really want to cash in on uh, these super high spot rates and start hauling some freight. The only problem is all I've got is a motorcycle and some cardboard. Well, here's some good news. You're Alex Medina and you did this. Let's take a look at what this guy put together. Oh, here he goes. He's humming down. This. Wait, is that his Jake break? Does he got his Jake break on? Jake is that what he's humming down this hill and, uh, you know, he put, if it wasn't for like the clear motorcycle motor, this might put it past me, but he made a uh, semi-truck <laughs> Costume, I guess you'd call it a motorcycle costume out of uh, <laughs> awesome. an entire cab out of cardboard here. Dude, it sincerely clearly says no compression brakes allowed in this neighborhood. I don't know what he's doing there. Look at that, thing. <laughs> that is uh neighbors must love it when he when he putters by. <laughs> Let's just roll that. Just keep rolling just it for the next time. I have that on my sound machine and put the kids to bed. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> All right, brother, I've got some right. bad news. You have to work overnight security. With the creepy robots from Boston Dynamics. You yeah. know, we've talked to those guys before. Yeah. You don't want to talk. You don't want to deal with these things. they got dogs and all this other kind of crazy. Yeah, they're scary looking. Right, but here's good news, man. Okay. You've got a cousin from Boston. I know you probably do. And he sure. shows up and gives you some Sam Adams, my brother. Let's look what ensues Not with me, Dooner. Or somebody. Let's here. take a look at Let's take a Long look day, at huh? uh, Happy hour. Thank you. Hey, buddy. You want take a Sam out. Adams? Here's, right. here's a doc truth about Boston, okay? Not that many people actually drink Sam Adams. No, I, I bet. Personally, I think, har I think oh, Harpoon's a little cousin. bit better of a brewery. From Boston. Gonna, I don't drink anymore, but I think Harpoon was a little bit better of a brewery than Sam. Yeah. Exactly. You and Harpoon will be drinking Bud Light if you went to their house in Boston. Yeah, they're not drinking Sam's, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like Lagunitas out on the West Coast. Check this stuff out. Look at it. Think those robots really do that? <laughs> Think they can do flips and stuff like that? Right. You know, ro robot people. <laughs> I, love, I love that. <laughs> Take it. We're gonna 
Security. It should be Wahlberg and Sandler, though, that in this security. <laughs> it's, it's, the best night of my life. it's the best night of his life here. So, <laughs> what do you think? Well, do you, first of all, you need that. You think those Boston Dynamics robots like need this so they have a softer image to mainstream society? I don't think, but maybe I don't know. But not, I mean, when are you, you're not going to get a robot dog, are you? I don't know. Do you think Boston people, like your cousin from Boston, needs us to get a softer image with no, society? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they need well, a softer. <laughs> I, I like it. I think it's a great commercial. I, I don't particularly like Sam Adams. But <laughs> hey, by the way, according to Ad Age, as demand escalates, so too is the cost advertised during the Super Bowl. NBC is oh. asking for as much as six point five million dollars. For that, I believe that's about 60 seconds. I don't even know if you can run a 60-second slot. It was for a 30-second slot, $6.5 million up That's from for five, a 30-second spot. 30-second spot, $6.5 million is up from $5.6 million CBS was seeking in 2021. In fact, you remember that whole Wall Street bets thing, right? The whole Wall Street yeah, bets yeah, thing yeah, happened yeah, yeah. about oh, a year yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, Reddit, they bought an ad. It was a five-second ad. It was, uh, I believe, $923,000 for five seconds. Oh, you can get yeah. five seconds on what the truck for cool seven fifty. Yeah. We'll drop like one zero for you. Oh, yeah. We'll drop. Yeah. Also, hey, guess what's coming up? Coming up on Monday, show's image here. We got the Freight Meme World Championship, first ever Freight Meme World Championship. It is Macedonia versus Poland. I love it. It is big, six foot eight, Paul Bernard from Team Caviar. You may know him from Freight Caviar versus Boris Panov from Team Superior. These are the two strongest meme lords on LinkedIn, and they're coming on What the Truck to figure out, to find out to throw down the gauntlet and find out who the number one meme lord is. And I'm so excited to announce here. Take a look at this What the Truck title here, right on this desk. Take a look at this. Trophy Smacks Matt Walsh, logistics transportation veteran, founder of Trophy Smack. Yeah, man. And they made the title for that Jimmy Kimmel Bowl game. They he's did. also they did. making the championship for this meme off, and he's going to help us judge it as well. New and Eastern time. We'll also have big rig beard creams coming on. Oh, They're coming in studio. Nice. We're going to test out some beard cream. Maddie oh, left. I'll have to let my back. grow out over the weekend. <laughs> get our legal questions. Yeah, get a little on yourself there. I think it's edible. Keyboard cats playing on soft. So find me on Twitter at Timothy Doodle. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell me how to be this weekend. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. Can you think if they tie, we could get him to do this?